Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Whitehall Sources is brought to you in association with The Resident, hotels where guests can expect a relaxed, warm and welcoming atmosphere. You can get that from this podcast too, in fact. An exceptional experience awaits at The Resident city centre locations and from this Whitehall Sources podcast, which starts now. Welcome to Whitehall Sources, I'm Callum McDonald. How are you? This week as a festive treat, we're running down our top 10 most watched TikTok clips, which very helpfully actually tell the story of our 10 weeks or so of existence so far. We have loved, loved, loved having you there since we launched way back in mid-October, about 10 weeks or so ago now. Gosh, so much has happened since then. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for just finding us. If this is your first episode, welcome. It's great to have you there. Uh, of course, we started with our OGs, Kirsty Buchanan, former special advisor to Theresa May as Prime Minister, and Liz Truss when she was Justice Secretary. And right from the word go, we had on board Boris Johnson's biggest cheerleader, other than himself, of course, Oscar Reddrop. So their contributions dominate our 2022 top 10 that we will run down for you on this episode. You will also hear from our new superstar, Frankie Leach, who was an advisor to Jeremy Corbyn when he was the Labour leader, of course, leading the opposition. And we've got one or two others who pop up along the way through our top 10 countdown as well for you. It's very exciting, actually. I'm sure Kirsty and Frankie will dominate the 2023 top 10 as we get started and as we enjoy many, many exciting plans, actually. Um, in fact, right now, as a one-off special for this episode, you can actually watch the full episode from start 
to actual finish. It's just me, live, as it were, and, and my mixing desk, so perhaps it's actually one for the nerds, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but if you would like to see this in full from start to finish, including the clips that we'll play for you today, then go on to YouTube and search for Whitehall Sources, or if you want the direct link, it's youtube.com forward slash at Whitehall Sources. That's a, that's a little YouTube thing. So if you'd like to see it, go for it. And if you'd like to listen just as normal, then stay right there, because our top 10 are coming at you fast over the next 40 minutes or so here on Whitehall Sources. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being there. And if this is just one for the nerds, well, hello on that camera and hello on that camera as well. A couple of cameras to keep us going. It's all a little bit terrifying, but I have put on a shirt. Uh, so you can see behind the scenes of this episode, if you would like to, on YouTube. But fear not, it works if you're only just listening as well. That's totally fine. Uh, right, today then, we are going to use democracy in the form of what is quite frankly a really quite superficial method, um, but social media video views, which will count down our top 10 defining moments so far since we started in all that chaos. Remember all that chaos of sort of mid-October onwards? Um, there is actually lots of ground covered in these top 10, and if you want to contribute to the video views from here on out, well, find us on TikTok, on Twitter, or on Instagram, or indeed on YouTube. Just search for Whitehall Sources. All right, let's crack on. We start with one of the most controversial policies of the year. That is, of course, the Rwanda policy. The High Court most recently ruled that the government's Rwanda asylum plan is legal. But the decision is likely to face further challenges in the courts. It's one we'll definitely be re returning to in 2023. There's a five-year trial that's going to see some asylum seekers who arrive in the UK sent to Rwanda on a one-way ticket to claim asylum there. They might be granted refugee status to stay there, and if not, well, they can apply to settle there on other grounds or seek asylum in a safe third country. The government's plan is that this is going to work as a deterrent to try to stop people arriving through, quote, illegal, dangerous or unnecessary methods. Of course, the most well-known one of which is arriving on small boats which cross the English Channel. That's something that the government is particularly keen to try to stamp out. And again, I'm sure it will dominate our 2023 on Whitehall sources as well. It was introduced by Home Secretary Suella Braverman. So in at number 10 on our chart of the year, is Oscar's suggestion that, in fact, she is speaking for the electorate. Have a listen. This, the Suella thing is a real challenge for Rishi because, politically, the difficulty is that she speaks for uh, a, you know, a lot of the electorate on things like immigration and policing. She speaks for a lot of the MPs on exactly those issues. She's very popular for that reason. And yet... The other political challenge now is how much do I hemorrhage by hanging on to her? Clearly they've appointed her knowing that they're going to get some incoming about it, right? They're not naive. They, they knew that this was going to create some turbulence, if you like. And clearly she's been appointed because you need to balance up you know, the, the, the party makeup around the cabinet table. I mean, I, I, we may have moved away from the pocket of trust turbulence and, you know, but, but the idea that we now sort of fly on smooth air Rishi and there's no problems just ignores the sort of political reality that still the storms that still swirl around the government. And one of those, it is an incredibly factional, difficult, borderline ungovernable party. So... You can understand why she was appointed. 
I think it's fair to say they knew that they were going to have to put their tin hats on. It's interesting to me in the in the sort of round that circulated around Braverman over the last couple of days. Now, the security services aren't prone to briefing newspapers, by and large, only usually when they think there's a spending review looming and they might get a bit of a squeeze. Uh, but they're not a terribly uh, briefy organisation, by and large. I've been quite surprised by uh, some of the anonymous briefings that have been popping up there, which seem to suggest that... Uh, there, you know, there are concerns from some within the security services about Braverman's uh, approach to national security, uh, fairly or unfairly. Like I say, I'm not working in the Home Office, I don't mm-hmm. know, and I, uh, a couple of my own sources in, in, in the Home Office are very complimentary about her. So, um, uh, so look, I don't know, but I have been surprised by how uh, how much they seem to be playing a part in in putting into this story. Really interesting to hear from Kirsty and from Oscar on that one. Uh, the Rwanda policy, something to which we will return, I can pretty much promise you. Now, I know what you're thinking, that you're probably a bit familiar with Suella Braverman. Here, of course, is one of her greatest hits. It's the Labour Party. It's the Lib Dems. It's the Coalition of Chaos. It's the Guardian reading. To- tofu eating. Wokarati. Dare I say, the anti-growth coalition that we have to thank for the disruption that we are seeing on our roads today. There you go. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, one of the main characters of 2022, and undoubtedly, undoubtedly going to be one of the main characters of 2023 as well. What a treat. Next to number nine in our chart rundown of our top ten most viewed TikTok clips of the year then, it's Oscar's take on Matt Hancock in the I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here jungle. It was much discussed, much criticised, much contemplated and much ridiculed. But what about his poor constituents? The uncomfortable truth that I haven't heard people talking about a lot is that if as a backbench MP you have really good staff and an experienced caseworker, and a caseworker for people who don't know is someone who works in the MP's office, who will deal with the really, really difficult processy issues that constituents go to an MP about. Like, you know, um, it could be anything, could be like trouble with paying bills or, you know, links with local councils, outreach services. It could be, you know, just the real, MPs don't really do that. So when you email your MP, it won't be your MP who's following up nine times out of ten. It will be their exp- experienced caseworker. So the idea that Matt Hancock being in Australia means that he is completely surrendering his uh, constituents to a lack of service, the uncomfortable truth in that is that he's not, because his office will be doing that. So it will be normal business. Resu- as far as I'm aware, <laughs> the, the only thing he can't do whilst he's in the jungle is unless he has, a, I mean, he's obviously, you know, a voting, I mean, he, he could, he can even vote because he can do a pairing system, um, is that he can't, you know, stand in the chamber and, you know, and, and this, there is a problem with this and this isn't, you know, and, you know, put pressure on the government for local constituency issues by standing up and, you know, and making statements in the chamber. Um, apart from that, I can see why maybe arrogantly he thinks I can go off to Australia and my office will do the rest. Oscar's take on whether Matt Hancock was underserving his constituents by going on I'm a Celebrity makes it in at number nine in our top ten chart countdown. 
Let's go on to number eight in our chart rundown then. And we turn to the slick operation of the government this time. We turn to Brexit and we turn to the government trying to coax, trying to coax Labour MPs and shadow ministers to vote with them on their Brexit deal. Frankie Leach, newly in our lineup for 2023 on Whitehall Sources, tells a fascinating story of some slight confusion which originated in number 10 Downing Street. During the the days of the Brexit votes, um, where it was clear that number 10 were on a bit of a sort of like secret operation trying to get Labour MPs to vote for the Brexit deal. I was on the phones in Jeremy's office and I used to answer the phone um, to all number of interesting calls. But one day I got a call from number 10 uh, and I answered the phone and they said, hello. And I said, yes, how can I help you? And they said, is this Ed Miliband's office? And I said, no, it's not Ed Miliband's office. This is Jeremy Corbyn's office. How can I help you? And they said, oh, we're calling from number 10. Do you think you could put us through to Ed Miliband's office? <laughs> <laughs> ah! And I just went, no. Oh I put God. the phone down and I went into Jeremy's office where Gary was sat there with the political secretary who were gaming what was happening um, with the votes. And I just walked in and said, I think... Number 10 are trying to get Ed Miliband to vote for the Brexit deal. And they said, how do you know? Because I was just a lowly admin assistant and clearly this was big gossip. And I said, well, they just called asking to speak to him. Oh and then when I said it was us, they asked me to put me through. <laughs> so, a so operation, Kirsty. A cautionary tale for all those people on Twitter that think that government is wrapped by conspiracy theories and <laughs> full of malign Machiavellian like political geniuses trying to pull the wool over the public's eyes. Uh, this, this is more like the truth. Um, uh, why on earth we ever thought that? I don't know who ever thought that Ed Miliband was ripe for a switching because that's that's insane in its own right. But uh, yes. As I say, government is 99% cock-up and only 1% conspiracy. So I felt quite be... bad, because it was obviously my counterpart over in number 10. I felt like ringing her back, being like, don't worry, babe, we've all done it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that insight. That is what you get on Whitehall Sources every single week in this podcast. Those behind-the-scenes stories of how it works and indeed how it doesn't work, actually, uh, a lot of the time, uh, which, which I think is brilliant. Uh, Ed versus Jeremy there, the perennial battle, surely, slotting in at number eight on our top ten countdown. I should just say that all of these videos have got a huge number of comments on them uh, as well, uh, which is always brilliant. We always love to read these. And in fact, every week, if you have just found us, every week we like to, well, we like to open the door to the correspondence unit and read your messages. <laughs> That's the door opening. <laughs> Welcome to the correspondence unit. Uh, let me read some of the comments that popped up on that video. Uh, left UK politics on TikTok. I do wonder where they stand on such issues. Uh, says this country needs a reset button. Julie says the reality is more depressing. They're just idiots. How reassuring. I think Kirsty's insight there on actually the number of cock-ups, the number of things that do actually just go wrong in government is quite telling. And that, you know, we'll tell you more stories like that as well. So Julie says they're just idiots. Uh, and Philippa on TikTok. This sounds like something straight out of the thick of it. This is the thing, isn't it? Shows like the thick of it have often been kind of praised for being so horribly and horrifyingly accurate. Uh, but that's what we do on Whitehall Sources. We analyse today's politics and politicians based on the experiences of Kirsty and Frankie. 
So lots more of that to come in 2023. And we'll read lots more of your comments throughout the programme, throughout the podcast today uh, on Whitehall Sources because we open the door and then we then we do close the door as well to the correspondence unit. And I often get mocked for opening and closing the door, but I think it's important that we stick with tradition even for a festive treat. There's the door closed for now. We'll open it up again later. Next, let's stick with the Labour Party and let's consider Rachel Reeves and her performance as Shadow Chancellor. After the trussonomic meltdown, the deployment of Jeremy Hunt as Chancellor and, of course, the rotation to Rishi Sunak for his turn as Conservative Prime Minister, Rachel Reeves got her time to shine in responding to the newly updated emergency budget, if you're keeping track. She was speaking in the Commons. Let's have a listen to some of what was praised as really quite a fiery, determined response. What people will be asking themselves at the next election is this. And me and my family better off with a Conservative government? And the answer is no. The mess we are in, the mess we are in, is the result of 12 weeks of Conservative chaos, but also 12 years of Conservative economic failure. Growth dismal, investment down, wages squeezed, public services crumbling. And what does the Chancellor have to offer today? More of the same, with working people paying the price for his failure. So, of course, we wanted to talk about that. We wanted to talk about events around surrounding the emergency budget and what they mean for us, what they mean for you, what they mean for politics as well. So in at number seven in our most viewed clips of the year on TikTok is former Rachel Reeves advisor Jake Richards saying that she is determined with her ambition. Knowing Rachel, that's been coming. She came into Parliament in 2010 and she's incredibly ambitious. She's incredibly bright. She wants to be in government. She wants to be the first female chancellor. That's her ambition. Um, And I think she's been incredibly frustrated that what she feels the Tories have got away with it for too long. Uh, Whatever your political positioning, she thinks the Tories' management of the economy over the last 10 years has been pretty disastrous. And yet they have always been seen as more competent, more trusted on the economy until very recently. And that frustration, I think, uh, came to the fore today and was channeled in an impressive way. and I do think it was a significant moment. It's not, there's a long way to go to the next general election, but I do think it was a significant moment that Rachel and the reception she's got from commentators, which is important in these things, um, from across the political spectrum is that she is an impressive, serious person whose economic analysis here is right. Um, and it does remind me, and I must admit I was too young at the time, but from reading back about it, Gordon Brown, a shadow chancellor, between uh, 92 and 97, there were certain responses to budget, certain statements that ha- uh, uh, are chronicled um, as being moments where at least the commentariat, maybe not the public, but the commentariat who are important, um, suddenly think, hold on, we've got a serious figure here and someone who is really credible to be chancellor. Mm. And actually, ultimately, it does cut through to the public because we're seeing that in opinion polls. This isn't a recent thing. This isn't just a trust and um, quasi quarting thing, that Labour have been more trusted in the economy for quite some time, albeit narrowly, but quite some time. And if you look at between 2010 and 2015, when I was working for the party, that was never the case with Ed Miliband and Ed Balls. We were never more trusted than Cameron and Osborne on uh, the economy. And in my view, that's probably the most important metric when you're looking at opinion polls. Forget about voting intention, forget about uh, leaders and trust, 
I mean, they are all important, but actually who is trusted with the public purse? Uh, and at the moment, that's Labour. And I think today um, will only strengthen that. That was Jake Richards, who used to work with Rachel Reeves. She's now the Shadow Chancellor. Again, already you're hearing, as we play in, that was number seven in our top ten countdown, you're hearing the main characters, both of our podcast, but also of politics, and the people that will be defining 2023 as well. Just on that video, uh, on TikTok, Eastman Bailey commented, Rachel Reeves is really intelligent. She will make an excellent chancellor. Worth saying at this point that we always love to hear from you, um, whether that is on email, where you can email anytime. Uh, the email address is hello at whitehallsources.com. Uh, you can get in touch there, or you can comment on, um, on TikTok or on Instagram or on Twitter. Just keep in touch with us. You can even reflect on this episode as you're listening to these clips, perhaps for the first time, or perhaps you're hearing them again. Do keep in touch. Best way to do it anytime is to email and drop into our inbox, hello at whitehallsources.com. So then, on to number six, uh, an absolute gem that perhaps explains a lot more than you might think. Uh, over to Oscar. The thing, with, <laughs> the thing I always found with Boris, you know, like around if I was, you know, briefing him for a, you know, a pool clip, an interview, or whatever it may be, was... One, I found it slightly... The thing that with, with, with Boris is that he understands the media and playing, playing off the media and PR kind of better than any PR comms professional. You know, I, I kind of think at times the battle was he probably wanted to be his own director of comms. And I think to a degree, in some ways, he'd be the best person to do it for himself if that was, of course, you know, possible. Um, and at times, you know, we'd sit and we'd talk about, he, he'd split, so he, when he was briefing, he'd have a piece of paper and he'd kind of split the page into little, uh, kind of squares and topic by topic, he would just kind of bullet point the really dull kind of boring, but important facts he would need. And then when it came to color and how you sell that message, um, and I, again, I'm kind of abdicating myself of all responsibility, but. I used to just say, just say what you think, just say what you feel. Like with someone like that, I remember we had, when the trans debate was really kind of boiling over at one point uh, and we knew it would come up in a pool clip uh, and, you know, it was kind of like, oh, you know, what should I, you know, and, and the advice that I remember giving was just, well, what do you think? Just say that. Uh, and actually, I think with a politician like Boris, um, that makes people a bit nervous and a bit dangerous. Like, oh my God, don't tell Boris to say what he thinks. But actually, that's when he's at his best. So less was, less was more, I think, sometimes with Boris. Just say what you think, Boris. <laughs> uh, that probably explains quite a lot, doesn't it? Just say what you think. Well, with that in mind, uh, what I've done is actually had a little search, and with huge thanks to the Evening Standard, because they have pulled together some of the highlights of Boris Johnson that perhaps are when he has, um, well, when he said what he thinks. Here's what the Evening Standard pulled together. Is it all over, Prime Minister? Is it time to Did you lie to the Queen when you advised her to prorogue to suspend Parliament? Absolutely not. The decision to advise Her Majesty to prorogue Parliament was unlawful. Can you make a promise today to the British public that you will not go back to Brussels and ask for another delay to Brexit? Yes, I'd rather be dead in a ditch. So the no's have it, the no's have it. Unlock! 
I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were, a few, there were actually a few coronavirus uh, patients and I shook hands with everybody. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. I can tell you I do brush it. I have a brush in my office. So my apologies. Did you hear him say, like, the bodies pile high in their thousands? I heard that in the Prime Minister's stomach. Yesterday I went, uh, as, as we all must, uh, 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 to, to Peppa Pig World. It was a, a total uh, mistake, made any discussion about anything else impossible. But as for not wearing a mask in Hexham Hospital, uh, I apologise for it. And to this house I offer my heartfelt apologies. No, nobody told me that what we were doing was, as you say, uh, against the rules. So I welcome the Met's decision to conduct its own investigation. And did you authorise evacuating animals out of Kabul over? No, and that is absolutely... This whole thing is, is, is total rhubarb. In 2013, uh, the right honourable gentleman apologised for what had happened on, on his watch. Let me say immediately that I've paid the fine and I once again offer a full apology. Certainly a, a mixed set of results and uh, we've had a tough night in some parts of the, of the country. Of course I understand uh, why people are uh, and why people have been angry at what, uh, at what took place. But we will keep going addressing the concerns of people until we get through this patch. Yes, I think it was a mistake, and I apologise for, uh, for it. I think in, in, in hindsight it was uh, the wrong thing to do. Just some of the best bits of Boris Johnson and that really quite short space of time that he was Prime Minister. Although, to be fair, not as short as some others. Just say what you think, Boris. Just say what you think. Right, that brings us into the big top five TikTok clips of 2022 now from Whitehall sources. And we're bringing it right up to date, actually, with our conversations about strike action affecting many sectors across the UK. As you always get on Whitehall sources, here is Kirsty Buchanan with some insight into how governments have handled potential strikes and the threat of potential strikes in the past. Have a listen to this. Um, and I got woken up at two or three o'clock one morning by a phone call for the duty press officer. Um, big up, George, if you're listening. Um, and she said, look, I'm really sorry to ring you. She said, I didn't know whether to ring you or not. She said, but I've been tipped off that the prison officers are about to go out on strike. And tired as I was, I said, well, they can't. It's, you know, it's illegal. And she went, well, precisely. And I said, look, you did complete the right thing by ringing me. Um, uh, I will ring the, the prison's minister and he will get the right officials. And if you can head into the office and I'll, and I'll see you there. Anyway, so then I ring the prison officer, uh, uh, prison, uh, prison's minister. I was delighted to be rung that time of the morning, as you can imagine. Uh, actually, no, he was fine. Uh, and then to cut to four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning, we're all in the office. Um, and because we kind of, this is the point about front-footed and back-footed in government, because we kind of had the jump on this because we had a tip and we were in at that time in the morning 
A, we got all our press lines ready to go, so they were all ready first thing in the morning, and we had a line to go straight into the broadcast at 6am. Um, but more importantly, we had the lawyers in to draft an injunction. So, uh, you know, no sooner did their, you know, their, their, their boots hit the outside ground, if you like, them, and the courts opened, then we went to court to seek an injunction to, to force them back to work because it is illegal. And I think it was all over by lunchtime. But having said all that, you know, at the same time as we were doing all that, we had enormous sympathy for the prison officers. I mean, at the time that they went out and strike, they went out in protest over the excessive levels of violence in their workplace. They were there was record levels of violence in the workplace. There were there was a flood of of um, what we used to call legal highs. They've been you know they've been made illegal since then. But things like um, you know spice and mambo, which are cheap and awful drugs, which send people psychotic. And it was extremely dangerous to be a prison officer. And you'd think, um, you know, for this salary to go to to work every day and, you know, risk life and limb. Uh, so it wasn't that, you know, it isn't that people in government don't have enormous sympathy for it. But, but you know, ultimately it is, it is a public protection issue and we had no choice but to, but to act. Sympathy and empathy from the government over strikes, as reflected by Kirsty, and that middle-of-the-night wake-up call, um, which is always something to consider, isn't it? And I think that's something that often comes through and has come through in our podcast so far, is that actually, in terms of outcomes, fine, judge politics, judge politicians, judge advisors based on, on the outcomes and what happens, but actually offer some respect for how they work and the dedication that they bring to what are hugely difficult and pressured jobs as well. Um, but hey, enough about, you know, the sympathy for the politicians and their advisors. Let's go back to Rwanda for number four in our countdown of our top 10 clips most viewed on TikTok since we launched the podcast in October. Uh, and if we uh, do go back to Rwanda, actually, as we're about to, probably will be the only ones. Um, the airplanes haven't really taken off yet, have they, to take asylum seekers to Africa? Perhaps they never will. Who can say? But as Oscar pointed out, in our fourth most popular TikTok clip of the year, perhaps from the government's point of view, that doesn't really matter. I was at number 10 when the Rwanda policy was, was all happening. Just politically here, and again, listeners might go, oh God, just stop talking about the politics, talk about actual solutions and real world stuff. But purely politically, the Rwanda policy was exactly the argument that we wanted to have. It was exactly where we wanted to be because, and it was really fascinating when the policy was announced, watching Labour's reaction to it, because, and this is when you know as the Conservative Party, you've got Labour completely backs to the wall cornered on a contentious issue like immigration, because the counter argument was never, this is inhumane, um, you know, we, we should have, uh, you know, immigration should be welcomed. Um, Labour didn't really know where to go with it because they know a lot of the people that they need to win back at the next election probably quite like a policy like Rwanda. So what they were going on, their, their counter arguments were always on exactly to Kirsty's point, um, kind of the practicalities of it or the cost of it. And so when you see Suella talking the way she's talking, you have to remember that this is an argument that the Conservative Party want. And the reason they want this argument is because Labour don't really know where to go with it. They can't really call it out. And again, that causes tensions within the Labour Party because the left of the Labour Party, you know, are, are completely up in arms about Keir Starmer's lack of willingness to say, hang on a minute, immigration is a brilliant thing. It's inhumane uh, to, to, to speak about them. How we speak. You know, it, it puts Labour in a really tight position this. 
fascinating insight on why why the Rwanda policy might actually be working in some ways and as far as the government is concerned. It is fair to say that that one really got you commenting online as well. Let's read some of those. Chris, I think anyone complicit with this policy is pretty much amoral. I did not get the shame vibe here. It says Chris, somebody who goes by the name TikToker, it says exactly that. They knew it would never happen. They knew it. Elite comms strat. Elite communication strategy is what I believe TikToker means. Uh, Simon on TikTok says, typical Tory playing politics with people's lives, uh, says Simon. And Tony says, uh, further proof that it's a game for these people. It's not about the policy or the people affected. It's about winning a news cycle. Well, if you've got fresh thoughts to share, then please do. Lots of these stories are still current. You know, they're still being talked about. And so perhaps your mind is made up. Perhaps your mind has evolved. Your decision, your where you stand on these things has changed. Or indeed, the people at the heart of them. Uh, you can email anytime, hello at whitehallsources.com. And assuming that you're liking what you're listening to, or indeed what you're watching, what perhaps you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe. Subscribe to our podcast, wherever you're listening, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever, or subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, because there's lots more to come on there uh, going into 2023. Let's get into the hot top three clips of the year now. It's our first mention of everyone's favourite short-term caretaker Prime Minister, Liz Truss, of course. Kirsty, who worked with her at the Ministry of Justice, tells this story of one of her early appearances at a House of Commons Select Committee when she was pretty new in the role. I didn't know her when I started working for her as a media spat. And I was two days into the job. She was called before the Justice Select Committee and she hadn't been in the job very long either. And I made the mistake of sitting directly behind her and therefore in the view of the camera uh, while this select committee went on, which turned into a, a, a bit of a car crash, frankly, because she hadn't been in the job very long. Um, and most of the questions she was being asked, she couldn't answer. Right? Um, and I'm sat behind her trying to keep a straight face while reading some increasingly very funny things about this justice select committee on Twitter. Her predecessor, Michael Gove, had a had a, a courts and prison reform bill, and she was asked if she was going to continue with this. And sometimes, and you'll know, obviously, because you've, you've seen her in action now, she has quite a, a peculiar speech intonation, and she will make long pauses that uh, sometimes can be misread. And she paused because she was thinking carefully about the answer, and it was misread as a sign that she might actually ditch the bill. And after the select committee and some of the other people that were with her said to saying to Liz, oh, that was a really, really good appearance. And I thought, what, what select committee were you watching? And she ignored all this and she turned straight to me and she said, uh, did I make a mistake pausing over the bill? Um, and, I, and this was like a pivotal moment for us because I'd only worked for her for two days. And I thought, well, you know, my job is to be honest. And I said, yes, you did, but I can fix it. And then I looked at her and she looked at me and sort of blinked and said, well, what are you still doing standing here? Go and fix it. <laughs> and, and that for me is Liz. She's, she's direct and she's pretty straightforward. Uh, I appreciate it's not for everyone, but I've really liked it. When you're a special advisor, whether your principal is you know, a departmental minister or a prime minister, I, my own personal view is you should never lose sight of the fact that this person isn't your friend. You are there ultimately, if necessary, to take a proverbial bullet for them. 
So uh, I liked the fact that there was never any particular blurring of the lines. It suited me. And no matter how many times I went round her house and had smashed avocado on toast with her kids, even though I told Liz a million times I didn't like avocado, I wasn't a friend of hers. I was there to do a job for her. Kirsty Buchanan, who worked with Liz Truss, of course. And Kirsty takes us straight to number two in our top ten as well, with her own experiences of encountering Rishi Sunak in the corridors of power. Rishi Sunak has only been an MP for seven years, and when I, you know, worked with him, he was a junior minister. Um, and just to give you a sort of insight into the guy, uh, on my first meeting with him, obviously I was the uh, director of comms, so I went to meet all the ministers. Um, and his opening kind of line to me was, I said, I, he said, I don't, I don't think you're going to be very happy with me. He said, I, I'm not really interested in getting my name in the in the media all that much. I'm just interested in doing my job. And I, and I just thought, well, what a, what an incredibly well-adjusted and very rare politician this makes you. Then I mean, I just, I liked him kind of enormously just from from that alone. Um, and then uh, I think the next time that I sort of came across him in, in, the, in the workspace, if you like. Now, everyone will tell you that, you know, Rishi is like an insanely intelligent human being. Uh, in any room, he's usually either one of, or if not the most intelligent person in the room. Uh, I think the thing that struck me on, on this day, um, and I've, I've got friends who are very close to him who say that this is, you know, par for the course for him, he wears his intelligence really lightly. He doesn't use it to, you know, to, to make other people feel small. He takes, you know, he takes soundings from his team. He listens and values and respects the advice of other people. That one was really interesting in terms of the comments it provoked from you. Largely, largely an admiration, it has to be said, of Rishi Sunak. And that sort of rare rare feeling that he's not really in it for kind of self-promotion. That was something that came through in your TikTok comments as well. This is Whitehall Sources. It is a TikTok countdown special telling the story of our podcast so far through the 10 most watched clips of the year. And we're now at number one. There is great drama. There is great suspense. You may already be able to guess what our most viewed clip of the year so far was. It got us in basically all of the papers. It was quintessential Whitehall sources. Political analysis based on the experiences and insight of the brilliant people that we have on the podcast. In this case, the number one spot does belong to Kirsty Buchanan. Indeed, all three of our top three and beyond belong to Kirsty Buchanan. TikTok loves Kirsty, a theme to which we will return. In at number one, a viral sensation that set the internet alight for days. It's Kirsty with insight on Liz Truss's refusal to appear on BBC Question Time. Liz Truss, when I worked for her, uh, you know, she obviously she didn't like the media, so we used to spend quite a lot of time making up excuses and, you know, killing off you know, minor members of her of family so that she didn't have to go on question time. Yeah, we ran out of excuses to go on question time, so eventually we had to do it. And uh, Liz Truss, 
least <laughs> only minor people like aunts and cousins and things. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, major members of the family. Um, anyway, so we ended up on question time and she said to me, I don't care who's on the panel as long as it's not X. And I'm not going to tell you who X is. <laughs> we turn up at the green room and there is the one person, the one person she didn't want to go on a panel with. And she looked at me and I <laughs> looked good kill. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my word. I don't know if they did it on purpose because he's a long time kind of, you know, beta of hers. But yeah, that was. That's amazing. That was... Absolutely remarkable. <laughs> Kirsty Buchanan, TikTok's favourite UK political commentator, securing the top three clips of what has been, what, 10 weeks or so that we've existed online. That question time clip, by the way, as well as getting us in the Telegraph and the Spectator and the Huffington Post and you name it, it provoked Owen Jones into thinking it was him that Liz Truss was trying to avoid from the panel. It wasn't him at all. But what happened on publishing that clip was that you, online, went mad trying to work out exactly who it was that Liz Truss had been dodging, frankly, uh, from being on uh, a question time panel with. And you were trawling through old episodes, working out who she'd been on with, who could it be, who does she disagree with, who doesn't she like. And, uh, well, basically it wasn't Owen Jones, but we're grateful for him taking the time making a video all about himself to consider it. Uh, you can listen back to the episode where we reveal who it was that Liz Truss was trying to avoid, unsuccessfully as it turned out. The episode is about episode three, and it's called Shuffling the Shambles. That's the one you want to listen to. So then, that is our top 10. Our top 10 TikTok clips of the year. Uh, they really tell the story, actually, of the podcast so far. They really give you insight into what we do week by week on Whitehall Sources, and that is political analysis based on the experiences of those who have lived it. Going into 2023, you will hear lots more from Kirsty Buchanan, and you will hear lots more from Frankie Leach, who used to advise Jeremy Corbyn as well. That's how things are shaping up into the new year. Uh, we've got lots more stories to tell going forward from here here please make sure you follow the podcast P please press the follow button now or the subscribe button if you're watching on youtube thank you for taking the time i hope it's been interesting to see how we put all of this together you can press subscribe on the youtube channel as well what will 2023 bring well who knows but we're going to be here to bring you behind the scenes and give you exclusive access to your Whitehall sources with more insights and more experiences. Thank you for being there. Leave your reviews, email us anytime, and we'll speak to you soon. We are so glad to be here and we are so grateful for our wonderful sponsor. Whitehall Sources is brought to you in association with Resident Hotels. Their fantastic team of resident insiders are waiting for you at their ideal city centre locations in London and Liverpool. The locations are hand-picked. Insiders are specifically trained to give you all the info you could possibly need for your stay, including secret tips and tricks of the local neighbourhood. They sound a bit like sources, you might say. It's magic moments galore during your stay. And by the way, TripAdvisor backs us up on this. The Resident Hotel Liverpool is number one. Covent Garden in London is number one. Kensington, Soho and Victoria in London are all in the top 30. Here's what Nicholas says in his review. We found our room very spacious. The Nespresso machine and mini fridge was a lifesaver, as I really need my morning coffee with real milk to get going. The staff were very friendly and helpful. Sold. 
clickresidenthotels.com to book your stay at one of the resident hotels, making Whitehall Sources possible.